welcome to a new podcast where we're breaking through and breaking it down with a new girl, your host, Dawn Piercy. Oh, okay. Hold on. For some reason, it's wanting me to put in the string key again. All right. Why is it on the phones that they only have such a little box? Or am I able to bring you up bigger also? Why? Um, Well, you know what? That's a good question. On my computer, it doesn't show a little box. Um, Yeah, because I'm on my phone. And... And of course, I had to use my iPad here, but uh-huh. I was trying to do it. I was trying to do it on my iPad, but I don't have my what do you call it, the ID okay. written down. Okay. So it asked me to download and and put the ID in for the iCloud, or whatever. And I don't remember that to this day. It was driving me crazy. Oh boy! So, well, would it be the same same as your iPhone? Um, but I don't. I don't think I even have it in Notes though. You know, I was looking for, in the notes to mm-hmm. to see if I, I have it. Because um, I think maybe on the iPad it might come up a lot more, huh? Not better. I don't know. But I know when you watch the interview after, it'll look normal. And you'll be able to right. see both of us. Okay. Yeah, it's too much work here. Okay. Okay, I'm going to start stream all right we should be going live here in a minute Welcome to Mariano Big Dog's Corner here on a new podcast. I am your host, Don Piercy. Our co-host, Mariano Mendoza, he is running late today. I want to welcome you, Master Joe Lee. Uh, welcome to Big Dog's Corner here on a new podcast. How are you? Thanks for having me, Don. Uh, pleasure. Absolutely. Hello, everybody. Now, Master Jolie, not only is he a martial arts master, but he's also an actor and a stuntman. And now, according to the research I've done, you got your first black belt at 11 years old, and you actually started training at seven. Can you tell us your story? Because I know that it's truly an inspirational one. Uh, might make you cry. <laughs> you I know. Got, you got, you got, you got uh, what do you call it, a... Uh with those things, uh, Kleenexes. Um, well, I don't know. Uh, once again, thanks for having me. Uh, and if I get shaken up a little bit talking about okay. it, it's, it's rough, you know. Um, I was adopted. Don't know my parents. Um, grew mm-hmm. up. I was born in Buffalo, New York, actually, mm-hmm. in, in a Queens hospital, as far as I remember anything back then. Somehow shipped in a bread box, ended up in Louisiana in, a, in, a, in an orphanage home. And out of the orphanage home, very vividly, I can remember the day I was adopted. And that's all I can remember is at that young of an age. I was four and a half years old. And then from the adopted parents, they divorced three years later and ended up putting me in a boy's home. And the name of that boy's home was called Hope Haven Madonna Manor in the city of West Wego, Louisiana. And they have one side is a, a big kid's side and the other side is a little boy's side. 
And so I began my life there without family living in a boy's home, right. you know, because my, my adopted parents divorced and separated and just paid pretty much my adopted brother, David, and myself, we were disbanded and one on one side, one on the other side. And um, that's why I say, you know, for people out there that don't believe in God, it, it took me a while to realize that you have to have a religion in life. And I, you know, no offense to anybody who's not a Christian, right. but uh, there's higher power above. And it's just not you and I on this earth calling the shots. So when we can learn how to put our life in the hands of the mighty power above, everything kind of finds its way to gold, you know? Yeah, it does. Well, with that said, um, I pretty much was on my own living out there in the boys' home, waking up every day, doing the normal things you do, go to school, learn trades, get in a trade school, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, not a kid who came from a bad background, mm-hmm. you know, anything, just for the child that was given up. And so I got chosen in that boys' home to be in a group of 15 and what they call the special house. And it was a house on the, the boys' home itself on Barataria Boulevard. Mm-hmm. So I was one, one out of those 15 that were considered the privileged kids. So we had a chance to go to public schools and other schools and stuff like that that other kids couldn't do. They had to stay to the school that was on site. So we made some enemies by being, when you're in kids, you know, in life that happens. So I had a very athletic when I was young and still to this day, playing some football in the, in the field out there and it was tackle football and a couple of the kids got really rough with us. And they used to watch us lift weights and work out and stuff with a, with a, a couple of what they called brothers back then, the people who were staff members. And we got our, our rooms vandalized because they were jealous of us because we were good at what we did. And that's at eight, nine years old, okay, when I'm talking right now. Uh, and I never forget the day I was – Walked back into the weight room, and the weights were thrown all over the place. The the bench was cut in half and ripped up. Our bedrooms were torn apart, and there was two kids in that place who had did that to us and three other guys. I wasn't the only kid that it happened to. So then we got a, into a physical altercation in the in the what they call the mess hall, the cafeteria, and. I took care of myself at seven years old, didn't know what I was doing, but I was doing something and I pretty much beat both the guys up at seven. Mm-hmm. Ended up ended up in the in the in the, the, the principal's uh, room with the uh, the main uh, priest and the brothers and the nuns and everything that in the place and they said that it wasn't my fault, everybody knew it, it wasn't the other kids' fault. We were helping each other out, we were defending ourselves. So parents had to get involved, but we didn't have anybody come to our aid for parents meeting or anything because my parents were didn't care about it, my adopted parents. So I was still left alone at that part of my life, and I, I still can remember every bit of that. And the other kids' parents came to the meeting, and they only did they apologized to us mm-hmm. as a human being uh, what happened that their kids, from their kids' action, this is seven, eight-year-old kids that they're right. talking about the time and 
I just said, and I remember the words I remember at that time, it's okay, you know, uh, we can be friends. I got up and I shook his hand and gave him a hug and everything else. And the brother, his name was Brother Larry at the time, he says, he says they called me Joey years ago, right? Before Joe Lee, it was Joseph Lee, they called me Joey, right? Mm-hmm. Joe, Joey, uh, we're going to put you in a program. Uh, how would you like to go to martial arts school? And that was Master Charles Parks, you know, uh, Taekwondo. And so because we had a fight, I earned a free class. It was weird how it happened. The brothers paid for me to go to karate school. So that's actually how I started karate, okay, by, nice. being in the boy, by being in the boys' home, by having that one little altercation. Mm-hmm. And, and they always told me that if you kept your mind level the way you did here in this office, you're never going to get in a fight and never have to worry about anything in your life if you keep kept the mindset you had today. And this was eight years old when they're talking to right. me. You know what I mean? So long story short, my adopted mother, we have weekends. They're supposed to pick us up for Christmas mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I got a weekend over at the house and it was a uh, Christmas weekend, uh, four or five days ago. I haven't seen her in a while, like a long time and everything. And I was surprised they even picked us up. And I believe that was, I was turning nine at that time. And my brother, my adopted brother, he didn't know anything about that family of mine, right? Mm-hmm. And because uh, they adopted us in two different times and kept us separated. So I went ahead and went home on that weekend True story, while I'm at the swimming pool at the apartment building, playing with kids who are black and Latin, mm-hmm. my adopted mother pulled me by my hair, brought me upstairs, cut my hair off, bald, made me sit on rice, kneel down and kneel on rice in the corner, and said to me, you'll never talk to a black man or a Spanish person in your life ever, blah, 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 blah. Took a bell, whipped me, did you name it, beat me down that day. I stood up for myself after, and when I started to stand up for myself, to fight back, like for her abusing me, Right. her aunt Effie walked in the door and saw that and stopped her. Turned around and grabbed me, started shielding me from her trying to cracked me and everything over because I was at a pool with different race, right? Mm-hmm. So can you imagine being that instilled in a kid at nine years old going through that? And never have I ever had a prejudice bone in my body, right? To this day. So I, I, I went ahead and went to sleep after my aunt cooled her off. I remember sleeping and I woke up in the middle of the night. I was nine years old, okay? And her keys were on the wall, on the keychain on the wall. Mm-hmm. She had a 1971 or 72 Oldsmobile, I think it was. I took that car, never drove a car in my life. I drove the car from New Orleans, East Louisiana, all the way to West Weagle, Louisiana, mm-hmm. back to where the boys' home was at. But further than that, and knocked on a friend of mine's door, who was a friend of mine in a family that kind of was really good to me. Mm-hmm. And I knocked on that door, it was 
oh, it must have been 3.40 in the morning, something like that when I got there. And they didn't realize how me drove that car. I forgot how many miles it was. And I was looking up like that and everything, trying to do what I'm doing. I, I can just remember watching people drive and knowing this is how I'm doing. And I got there. So then she calls my adopted mom, told her where to pick the car up. And that started myself right then at nine years old, being on my own from that time because my adopted mother gave total custody up of me after that happened to me. And I didn't want to go back with her anyway because I didn't want to get abused. And right. the people who, the people I stayed with, they took care of me and took me in and kept me in school. But I had to go back to the boys' home and face them, right? <coughs> and the same week, the next week coming, and then it all started coming together of them trying to place me in a better living situation and not with my mom because they know what she's doing by trying to give right. up custody. And then my dad got involved. My adopted father got involved because they called him. And I got it on camera, true story, everything. He came to the place to get me out. And I could not stay there uh, anymore because they didn't want me to live in the boys' home forever. So they said, we're going to release you with your dad. Go live with him. Good luck, blah, 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 blah. I couldn't live with him. He didn't even let me stay there with him. He put me in one of his girlfriend's houses. Mm -hmm. And I was I was going on 10 at this time when all this was taking place. He put me on one of his girlfriend's houses. And that's how I started off living on my own in a house. 10, 11 years old. A kid with no parents. Nobody looking over you except adopted dad lives three blocks away. Who would come over and give me food. Uh, and take care of me and let me go to school. But I couldn't live with him because you live in an old folks home and kids were not allowed. So that's the beginning of it, Dawn. And when I asked you about the book, right, about writing, how serious that I am, because I've accomplished and achieved a lot of things in my life. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that uh, God's got a plan out there for all of us. And when we go through hardship in life, just to get to where he wants us, not right. where I want. I know exactly what you mean. I wanted to ask you about trials and wants. tribulations, being able to take these trials and these tribulations and not shut the door on them, but actually live to the point to where you've become so inspirational and you're helping others. And I think that's just absolutely miraculous. And how did you get into acting and doing stunts um, uh -huh. and pushing that together? And did that help you get through your trials and tribulations? Uh, it was a dream. It was a dream that I was chasing as a kid. Mm -hmm. And I've always, I've always looked up to Chuck Norris as a kid, right? Like look back at the Long Wolf McQuaid and all those Chuck Norris, Bruce Lee movies. And yeah. And used to go to Orpheum Theater for $1 and watch five movies a day, you know. Uh, and being at, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself on that story with the massive parks and everything, but being in martial arts, all the, the tournaments and learning and the belt system, it gave me a lot of structure and discipline. And I got to give props out to the name Dwayne Conrad and his brother, Eddie Conrad, uh, they're also friends on my Facebook. 
they're the family. They're the family that took care of me back in New Orleans. And believe it or not, true story. The great Fats Domino saved me, took care of me for a little while, and that was my path to start to get out of Louisiana and come to the West Coast to try to start getting into the film industry. And uh, it's, it, it, it's I don't know if I can. If we have time the 13 minutes ago with that whole story, <laughs> but. Uh, I want 13 minutes, and I'll be here all night telling you my life story. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like Mariano probably would say, "Oh man, let's make another story just on that by itself." <laughs> you know what I mean? Part one, part two. Part one, part two, chapter one, chapter two. <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, real brief. Um, it, martial arts changed my life, uh, and I think it changes everybody's life because being a, a master now and just hearing the, the comments and people have told me about their sons and daughters. And I kept, I got them written. They're on this book. They're on Facebook. People are praising me for Master Joe. You changed my son's life. That means a lot to me. Yeah. You know, cause I had a hard, I had a hard with my boys and I took, I'm, 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 I fought a battle to, to keep them out of the gang and mm -hmm. stuff. And they're both my two oldest. They're both doing good. One's graduating. The other one's, 22.9 he's a x-ray technician now you know nice. doing good for herself at 22 but so tell us do you have any projects that you're working on behind the scenes that you could let us in on i know that you've have a few projects that you're in post-production from that you've been in stunts with um can you can you tell us a little bit about that uh I'm, I hate to say it out there and people in Hollywood, you're hearing a story that's true, that needs to be written. And to answer Miss Darn's question, those movies that I got in a speaking role, a stunt role, I didn't go looking for them. Did not go looking for them. Happened to be at the right place, right time. Somebody said, call that guy right there. Nice. Come over here. Come over here. How you doing? My name is such and such. Can you work the show for me? Blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah. I'm like, yes, sir. He goes, well, I got a show I'm doing, and I, I want you to be a part of it, and I want you to play a thug. This is what you're going to do. No problem. Thank you, sir. You're a stuntman. Yes, sir. They don't know nothing about my capabilities. Uh, I, I said, I believe in safety, number one. Right. And I got the movie called the pastor like that mm -hmm. uh and just ended up with kevin sturbo and i forgot the other gentleman's name the main character who played the pastor um he beat me up with the bible and <laughs> you know and i gotta tell you it's true because you know going through our lives i'm not the only actor stuntman that suffers okay right. we 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 choose a business that is really rough to be in and everybody everybody's got a story we all go through man why are we getting this business you know mm -hmm. it's a rough business to get into one day it's going to happen and i'm going to basically support my family my my children and you know give back to the community you know uh that's a goal in a, in a dream but uh that's how i got that movie just being at right place, right time, ended mm -hmm. up going there. The guy doesn't know nothing about me. I meet all the stunt guys. I meet people I've seen, know before. And then action. Here's what you're going to do. Boom. Bam. That's a blessing. You know? Yeah, That's yeah a blessing. it's a blessing. And then to go home and sit and pray about it 
and wake up the next morning and and not have nothing to do but going through what you're going through right. and realize that we got a plan here. What's going on? For the movie, uh, what is it? Um, uh, Glass Jaw. Okay. Let me tell you what happened with that movie. There's a great guy. His name is Jeff, the director, right? Mm-hmm. But he had a casting. Mm-hmm. He had a casting director work for him on that film. I forgot her name, but she apparently picked me out of a you know, photos, I guess, mm-hmm. somehow. And I got a phone call. Would I be interested to be available to work on a movie called Glass Jaw? And I said, Who wouldn't? I go, Yes, right. I would. Well, you're gonna fight that wrestler. Uh, they couldn't get him at the time. I don't remember his name. You know, he's retired now. Got the tan, really good tan, really built. I don't remember his name, to tell you the truth. Uh, and I guess he couldn't get, they couldn't get the wrestler. Mm-hmm. And they told me it was Frank Frank Trigg, right? That I have a fight scene with Frank Trigg. And okay. I'm going to play a bad guy. And I'm going, wow, this is amazing. Uh, a part of my career that I'm going to work on a set tomorrow. I'm going to end up having a fight scene with a legend, Frank Trigg. Wow. This is another dream come true, right? right? So I'm all psyched up, psyched up, man. I'm stretching it, my body all loose and my pads ready to go. And I get the set and the, uh, the director sees me. We kind of walk and hit paths together. I didn't know he was a director. I didn't meet him yet, but we kind of walked and hit paths. He looked at me, he goes, hey, how you doing? He goes, man, so you're the one. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He goes, you're, you're just what I thought. You got the tattoo in the head, and man, you look like Chuck <laughs> Liddell. You look like you look like Chuck Liddell, and and that was funny. And I said, "Well, that's funny you say that, but I'm going to tell you the truth. He looks like me because I'm the oldest, right?" <laughs> and he laughed, and he goes, "Well, look, he goes, you look great." He goes, "How about you do me a favor though? Uh, change the wardrobe, and I want to see the arms, and take off the shirt, and you're going to be shirtless for this, and and the arms, and." I was just like, oh, shit, I haven't been in the gym. I wasn't super pumped up. I had a little flab on the side. I'm going, okay, <laughs> it is what it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get paid, you know? And and then when I saw Frank, I didn't feel so bad. I was like, oh, shoot, Frank's, you know, he's not in shape that he was either. So I was like, oh, good, I'm going to have a good scene here, you know? And then, then I met Charlie Paterni, very good man, stunt guy. He got to talking to me, the stunt coordinator, and says, Joe, uh, you guys work hand in hand here. Let's put the scene together. This is what I want. This is what they're looking for. You guys figure it out and make it happen and let's do it. And Frank and I put something together and it was very good. Uh, they let me add my two cents. He had his and we put a nice little scene together. And uh, when we went to the red carpet, I actually sat with the coordinator next to producers and the main character and, and Khalifa, mm-hmm. Lee Khalifa, the main mm-hmm. character. Uh, that was another blessing. It brought a tear in my eye to go, wow, look at this. This is right. what I came out here for. Another big, another big event for me. And I'm sitting down and Lee's wife next to me, she's pushing my arm and hitting me in the arm. She goes, look, look, look watch this. Here you go. And like the whole place just went like kind of crazy when I saw the fight scene. And I was, I was amazed at myself that, wow, that was me. And that was the first time I was super amazed that, wow, that, they started seeing a little bit of my craft that mm-hmm. nobody's ever saw yet. But that's the beginning of that. And it was good for me. You know, I felt good. So tell, tell me about guacamole style. Oh, um, 
Well, there's an old, uh, back in the day, it's called Cage Combat. Yes. Uh, neutral ground, neutral grounds, a, a guy named Kaja and a, and a guy named uh, Ryan Chenoweth, they had a thing called Cage Combat. Okay. In a, in a, in a side company called okay. Old School Bad Boys Neutral Grounds Gym. And a guy named Maverick and Antonio McKee, okay. John Marsh, a bunch of different guys, they train there, they spar there, they train, and a lot of fighters coming from out of town and overseas and everywhere, getting in the back of the yard in a cage and just duking it out, right? Or mm-hmm. someplace called Dancing Waters and just going for it. And I was already, at that time, I was already in L.A. instructing in one of my uh, gyms at the time. And I had met a guy named Maverick, the soul collector, Maverick Harvey, the soul collector. I interviewed him. And, oh, did you? Yes. Oh, great. Awesome. And and I met him and I came from L.A. to be with him on a Tuesday and Thursday night at the gym over there where they were at. He lived there. Okay. And every, every week they would have fights. Mm-hmm. And people would come all over the place and, and fight and and he asked me after we met, and uh, could I come out and train there on a Tuesday night and help teach some of the guys? And I said, sure. And that's how that started there. Uh, okay. With me, with me being that element in that whole world by starting to teach guys the fitness and the stuff that I was doing. And uh, so one day, my longshoreman client, eight o'clock in the morning class mm-hmm. he's 460 pounds his brother was I mean, i'm sorry his friends were 260 280 and they brought subway sandwiches to the gym okay at eight in the morning they must have they must have took them right out of the uh, the, the, the microwave or something <laughs> and i had a guy named nacho ortiz he owns the ojas tea shop in the city of uh san pedro and I was rehabbing his knee at the time, that early in the morning. Uh-huh. So he goes, Master, he goes, Master Joe Lee, Manny, drop guacamole on your mat. And, and I said, what? I, I didn't know what guacamole was done. Okay. Bob, sorry. And so I went over there, I looked down, and there was guacamole on the mat. And I said, well, dude, did you come here to work? <laughs> did you come here to work out or did you come here to, to drop guacamole on my mat? What are you doing? <laughs> He goes, Master Joe, I'm so hungry, man. I said, well, you come here to train or you come here to pick this guacamole up? And it stuck with me, right, that for some reason, right after Nacho goes, hey, Master Joe, well, all them Spanish kids you got, you don't know what guacamole is? And I said, dude, you got to rub that in on me? I said, okay, guacamole, clean that guacamole up like that. And it stuck with me. So <laughs> because I didn't know what guacamole was and my all my children are Spanish descent, uh, I should have known what guacamole was, and I didn't. So I created the guacamole style, right, off of a phone call. And I'll tell you how that happened. A guy named Mike Albergo, he lives in New York now. Uh-huh. He calls me up. He calls me up. He says, Joe, I got to tell you, man, I just saw a Subway commercial. True story, okay? I just saw a Subway commercial, and this is why I'm calling you because I thought about you again, man. He goes, and they said, welcome to Subway. Welcome to Subway. Would you like guacamole with that? <laughs> and he thought about me, I guess. So he had to call me and says, hey, man, the commercial made me think about you. So I went to call and see how you were doing. 
I said, over the word guacamole, I said, dude, I got to patent this one day or figure out this too soon because this is going to be cool for me one day. And I just said, you know what? Guacamole style. That's how it is. Nice. So, Love a little it. bit. You get a laugh. You don't get a laugh. Whatever. You don't know what it is. It's cool. You know, guacamole. I love guacamole. You know? But, that's good. but actually, it's, it's this right here, the style, the patience, because I got it at 54. Right. Dana White, you want to prove it to somebody, I'll prove it right here. At, at 54, I'll go out there and take somebody's belt. I guarantee it. You know? I bet you could. I bet you could. Oh, yeah. I know that you're in the gym a lot. So now for our guests that want to keep up and follow you, where can they follow you at? Are you asking the wrong person? <laughs> well, I, I can tell them this. If they go to your bio page, I actually put Hey, I, I got Facebook. Let's see. I have Facebook. Mm-hmm. Okay. Joseph Joseph Lee Michael at Facebook. What is it? One Master Joe Lee at... Uh, the Instagram. What is it? Insta- Instagram. Mm-hmm. The, the I Stunt profile. Joseph Lee Michael at iStunt.com. Okay. Uh, Wally Crowder, Wally Crowder's stunt players directory, um, and of course the IMDb, which I was very pleased that the lady who executive helped me do that because I didn't do nothing with that. Oh, and that's great. I didn't know what I didn't know what I was doing when it came to that. I was begging as an actor, going, "How do I get my stuff? How do right. I make a reel? What do I do?" And you know, I finally start figuring the stuff out. You know, but well, I'm so old school, Don. Like I said. <laughs> Handshakes, hugs, eye contact. That's what I'm about because I'm for real. I don't yeah. want to have this beam me up Scotty life. But unfortunately, we got to do what we're doing here just to get noticed. It's I weird, know. You know. Technology. God love it. I know. Beam me up, Scotty. Beam me up. Well, it's been great having you on as a new guest. And I wanted to thank you for being a guest. And for our listeners, if you go to the newpodcast.com on Mariano Big Dog's Corner and see uh, Master Jolie's uh, bio, I'm going to add the interview there. And there's links to his social media. Click follow. Check out the projects he's got coming up. And this has been a new podcast. Amen. Amen. I got it.